Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at DareResponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. Hello. Hi, Michelle. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. Hello, welcome Hello. everybody. Hi everyone. Who's here in the chat? Where is everybody calling from? Hi. Oh, oh, I don't have the chat open. That's why I don't see anybody. Here's everyone. Hi, everyone. Richmond, Washington. Anybody here for the first time? Yeah, that'd be cool to know. Oh, hi. Hey. Welcome. Hello. Welcome, hey. Texas. Hi. <laughs> Holland, great to have you here, guys. Excited for this webinar. The year is almost over. That went by so fast, didn't it? It did. It did. How many webinars did we do this year? God, 20 something? A lot of them. So it's it's two a month. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Two a month. So yeah. Okay. I could do that math. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I didn't, we didn't miss anyone. I, I know. I don't think we missed one. So yeah, if your question doesn't get answered today, there's a good chance we answer them on one of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So today we're going to try to answer at least, let's go. At least two. <laughs> at least two. Michelle, let's make an effort. Let's make an let's, effort. Serious, seriously. <laughs> let's answer as many as possible. All right. So let's jump right in. I'll start, Michelle. Okay. Mm -hmm. First question. Oh, just let me make sure that I have the right sheet this when time. When having a panic attack? That <laughs> yeah, one? okay. Okay. When having a panic attack. To them this time. When having a panic attack, how can I calm myself down and rationalize that I'm not dying? It's just panic attack when my rational brain shuts off and my survival brain turns on. You guys in the mm -hmm. chat who can relate to that, who feels like, oh, during a panic attack, my rational mind leaves me completely. My emotional brain takes over the show and I'm at the mercy of it. And I'm going to read the question again. I want you guys to pay attention to some words that this mm -hmm. person uses. Mm -hmm. When having a panic attack, how can I calm myself down and rationalize that I'm not dying it's just a panic attack when my rational brain shuts off and my survival brain turns on. So there is already one good response. Thank you, Aditi. How I can calm myself down, right? That's problematic, right? It's exactly this effort, guys. Mm -hmm. okay, Bessie wrote, you can't. Mara, don't try and calm yourself down. If you've been on webinars before, there's a good chance you've picked up on the patterns of how we talk and how we address this. And and I'm usually after a while you start certain little words, at least for me, they kind of like ding, ding in, in, in ear, in my ears to say like, ah, can I calm myself down? Can rationalize, basically convince yourself you're not dying, convince, like try, how can I rationalize when my rational brain shuts down? Like we love, we're so good. And th this person's probably smart because the smarter you are, the more traps we set for ourselves that we just can't get out of how can i rationalize when i can't rationalize right and then we get stuck in this little spiral of trying to be rational when my rational brain just sort of gets bypassed during this whoosh of energy yeah. by the way people are starting to write whoosh for you with a v instead <laughs> of a w so you've renamed the whole word <laughs> i did i actually write it with, it's with a german a w. panic attack <laughs> <laughs> but i write it with a w but I say whoosh instead of whoosh. Oh, I see. I see. Please don't stop saying it like that, though. <laughs> whoosh. <laughs> whoosh. <laughs> so when the whoosh comes, it definitely <laughs> feels like, thank you, Michelle. Now I've, I'm going to notice how I say whoosh for the rest of my life. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> so when we're never gonna happens, so we're going to answer those questions. Make an effort, Michelle. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> when this happens, it you are, it feels like you are gonna die. So can trying to convince yourself in that moment that you're not will not work. You can remind yourself of what is happening. I change the word I'm trying to convince with, oh, I'm mm -hmm. gonna remind myself that this is really, really hard. Okay. It feels like I'm about to die. 
but I know I'm not, even though I don't feel that. You know, we're so used our thinking, our behavior, and our emotions to be aligned. And when something's not aligned, this is what makes makes it so hard because it's so paradoxical. I'm hungry. Oh, let me go and eat something. And I eat something and that feels good. Everything's aligned. And here your brain's like, oh, you're going to die. You're going to die. And you're like, no, no brain, I'm not. And nothing is aligned. And that's why it's so complicated. But let go of the effort to try and convince yourself because you can't, number one. Number two, it's not that your rational brain shuts off completely. This is what a lot of people get wrong. They think like, okay, when a panic attack's there, I won't be able to think straight. It's true that rationality is turned down. It'll be like the volume is turned down, but it's not, not being shut off completely. Know that too. And the other thing is how you approach this. Are you trying to calm yourself down because you're trying to save yourself? You don't have to. Relearning process means I'm having a panic attack and I feel like I'm going to die. But by not trying to fight this, I'm retraining my brain that these sensations are safe. This is how you lose your fear of a panic attack because it's your fear of a panic attack that maintains the panic attack, right? That disordered part of the panic disorder. Because mm-hmm. even when you wrote here, how can I calm myself down? Why do you have to? Why do you have to? Because if you're trying to calm yourself down, there's a sense of must or else, right? So if you want to convince yourself it's a panic attack, don't try to calm down. That's that's dare in a nutshell. That run towards, right? The R of dare. And well, then bring it. I don't need to calm down. I don't need to calm down because you're not worrying about calming down when you're not in, when you're in danger. You're worried about danger. So why are you worrying about calming down? Usually, we start treating our stress response as the threat, and that's it's the not. And that's the problem. What Michelle just said there. Let that sink in. It is your stress, your active stress response that you have labeled as a problem, and this is why your body reacts that way. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Michelle. No, no, that's all I I had to say. to to emphasize this. Okay, so can we wrap this up? Because we love to ramble, as you guys know. (laughs) Don't try to. It's helpful for anyone, anybody in here. So I hope if if that was your question, I hope that we've answered that for you. Um, Number two. Maybe we can do like a short summary, you know, of what our response in the end, like what are the three most important points? Don't try to calm down. Your rational brain is still there. It didn't leave you. And in order to retrain your brain that your stress response is safe, you need to experience the stress response and treat it as safe. Yes. As a neck down response, not so much a neck up response. Dare is this. Yes. Neck down. I love that. Neck, neck down response. I haven't heard that in all these years. What? Neck up, CBT, neck yeah. down, somatic, yeah. combination of the both. Yeah. Like your Good. All okay. right. Number yeah. two, how can I get over my anxiety of being at a red light? So, and that's the whole question. But to generalize this for anybody else, any situationally based, experience where anxiety shows up that probably brings on a feeling of trapped so there might be another question here about the barbershop or about conversation but a red light is the non-important factor here it's usually situations where I feel here comes this whoosh of energy this escape energy and I feel like I need to leave here right now so if you guys are in the chat if Maybe you don't care about red lights, but does do you get this whoosh? Now it's stuck in my head that I'm saying too much of a W. Now I need to say a V. You do. Now, now I got wh- Yeah. No, <laughs> Anybody else get whooshes because your alarm has misinterpreted a situation that where I am right now and I can't necessarily get out right now means, oh my God, get out right now. Here's escape energy. Oh, here. Yes, yes. All the time. Um, Me too. Yes, yes, yes. Me too. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. Good at it. <laughs> so even just give some examples in the chat. Not not that, again, the situation doesn't matter, but to show how it becomes general, like the main driving force is this guy thinks trapped and can't get out. But all the situations, even if we don't get to those questions, if they happen to be in here, what about stuck in conversation or stuck on the line or or trapped in wherever it is, a red light 
this was non-spoken. How can I get over my anxiety being at a red light? I'm just interpreting that it has nothing to do with the red light. It has to do with me. I'm trapped and I'm stuck and I can't get out. And now I have, I'm ha panicking and I need to leave. Yeah. Or even simpler. What if I stop at the red light and I have a panic attack? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. if I drive over the bridge and I have a panic attack? What mm -hmm. if I have a panic attack in the, um, during flying? Where? It's in the end, guys, right? It's simple. It's, I stop at a red light and my body sends me bushes. <laughs> And I don't like that. Thank you, Michelle. And I don't like that. <laughs> That's all. And I don't want to stop at a red light because I don't want to feel this. That's it. I don't want to be stuck in an elevator because then I'm going to feel this. I don't want to be home alone because then I'm going to feel this. I'm afraid mm -hmm. of this feeling. And this is I'm, why I'm trying to avoid it. Okay. And you need to, to learn to reappraise that feeling. Like the other day, I made this post about change the word anxiety and anxious with I'm activated. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is the label. What really happens when you step with the red light? Your body does whoosh and you're activated. But to you, it, this is anxiety, is it? This is what you make of it. But all that happens is your body getting into a ready-to-go state. But right, because if you were activated and you liked it you wouldn't be doing anything else. It would stop at the period. You hear Aida's sentences are simple. I have a, I have a whoosh, period. I don't like it, period, right? That's when you'll hear me say, tell a boring, simple story, not have, I'm, I'm dissociating from reality and here comes panic and my sympathetic nervous system is kicking in and, and what if I, what I, I'm having a rush of adrenaline and I find it unpleasant, period. Anything beyond the period is the disorder. It's the, this is dangerous. What if I can't handle it? Could, I could crash my car. I have to get out of here right now. This is going to make me crazy. My kids are going to see this. I'm going to be embarrassed. All of that, that's the neck up stuff. That's the CBT stuff. The danger stories we tell about these feelings. So to simplify that question, remember, it's the, your body sends you fear for what it thinks is an identified danger and needs your doing. So, oh my God, Aida, look, you're at a red light. Here's some energy for the red light. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks for the energy. Hold on, let me take a look. Oh, I'm not being kidnapped at the red light. I'm not being murdered at the red. I'm just at a red light right now. So thank you for the energy to fight. I don't fight red lights. And yeah, so but it's just to play devil's advocate for a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're panicking at a red light. You don't like panic. Panic could lead to you losing control. Panic could lead to blah, blah, blah. You see, it's again the fear of the feeling. We could simplify all this with I fear panic. I fear anxiety. I fear this activation. And this yeah, is I fear I fear. We yeah. get scared of scared, really. No, you're not yeah. really scared of the red light unless the oh. red light is shooting shooting like later laser beams at you. You're scared of being scared at the red light. I was scared of being scared too. I still do get scared of being scared sometimes. So we're not looking for final elimination of this. It's just getting Making peace with scared. Making peace with your body's ability to create scared. Scared is not a threat to you. Scared shows up to help you stay safe, to help you fight threats. Mm -hmm. And Heather in the chat, girl, I could talk about this for hours. Do you think this would be easier if the media, the internet, and books weren't so concentrated on telling you ways to get rid of it? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, you know, the problem is also that if you look at the whole wellness stuff, okay, relaxation and calming down and well-being, all important, all great, fantastic. We all should do that. And our lives are very, very busy and life demands are very, very high. And we're constantly on this, okay, what's next? What's next? 
But people have taken this too far. So they've taken all these well-being, wellness strategies and applied mm -hmm. them to anxiety recovery. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a problem. Those well-being things are still fantastic. We tell you to meditate. We tell you to do, you know, whatever, mindfulness and yoga and move and drink enough and don't drink Red Bull before you sleep. Don't drink coffee mm -hmm. when you're highly mm -hmm. sensitized. But that's the well-being part. But if you're, ma again, maintaining factor, maintaining factor, that's the most important. What is maintaining your problem? Oh, it's my fear of this. Well, then the approach is not try to breathe it away. Right. right. Then right. go through it. And once you're through it, then yes, use all the well-being, mindfulness, wellness things, just because it feels better to be in a more balanced state i wish we wouldn't need all of these things i wish we wouldn't need to meditate and to do all these things to be balanced but it's just how our lives are right inherently busy very stimulating but try to to distinguish between oh this is a well-being me feeling better and this is oh i have fear of fear and mm -hmm. this is why i need to approach it very very differently mm -hmm. but, but she's right because but she's well-being yes but also there are a lot of therapist approaches that the approach is we're here to get rid of your anxiety yeah and it's not even for well-being it's to we're here to get rid of your anxiety and we can't let it get past a certain level because that that you won't be able to like don't don't ever let yourself get past the five mm. this be interesting anybody in the chat what what advice have you heard um from that type of approach of like how to make sure it's gone. Then I'm only okay when my anxiety levels are gone. And then like with dare, it's different. It's, it's not how to not feel anxious. Dare is how to feel anxious. Yeah. I'm going to and start that's where the big difference lies. But to start with like the worst advice I got myself, it was to write down every time something or someone make me anxious. So I could start to manage and build a life around my anxiety. So if mm -hmm. going out to a party and being hungover would make me anxious, I would need to leave the party at 11 p.m. Okay, no later than that. <laughs> if not walking would make me anxious, I had to go out and walk every day because if I wouldn't do that, then I would get anxious. Oh, yeah, I hear that a lot. A Must horrible, horrible constant exposure thing. therapy. Mm-hmm due to people imagine that so what was at the center of life not my values not my values my anxiety this guy michelle hold it up this guy is like okay i'm here and now you have to manage your life around me right Ooh. right and even the decisions you're making are because of him now i'm going out for a walk and and like we had said this i think on the last webinar and i've posted a few of these posts if the effort if the intention is I'm going out and I'm doing all the things and it sounds great to work on my anxiety recovery and I'm going to yoga it away and vitamin it away and I'm going to keep doing all the exposures and take all the drives because that's how I create new neural pathways. It is, but not with that intention. Going out and driving regularly for it to become habitual is what works. But with us people, we are in the tell me what to do and we will do the shit out of it mindset. I have never had somebody that comes here with a lack of effort or a lack of willing to do the hard work. And we're like, yeah, that's kind of a problem because we're trying to meditate it away. Like, like mindfulness it away, like do dare it away. And that's, nothing's good dare's not going to work either if you're using it for it to work to check to see if a feeling that's present is now gone that's yeah. never been our intention yeah and you see the guy the the people who are very active and overachievers and they're like oh sitting there with a notebook tell me what to do and i can put in all the effort if we would tell them okay you need to run 12 miles a day drink three gallons of water sleep for 14 hours i promise they would do it they do it right they're oh yeah all the effort, but you know what's so hard? Putting in the effort, but in another manner, meaning growing your tolerance to be uncomfortable, to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. quote unquote, sit with it, taking it with you wherever you go and resisting the urge to fight it. That takes a lot of effort too, but not in the same way. Or maybe effort is not the right word. It takes tolerance and the willingness to grow your tolerance to be uncomfortable. Right, and, and decisiveness. 
Yep. Willingness and decisiveness because I'm deciding to hook my attention and my energy and my efforts to what's most important, not what's most uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so even if something pulls my attention, I don't need to stay there. Something pulls my attention. That doesn't mean oh, it's back or it's a setback. It's yeah, that does pull my attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back onto what's most important, but not with the intention of this will work on my anxiety. If I do this 30 times today, in the next three weeks, I will have a 37% reduction of my anxiety. And I, that works for like money or maybe lab work. And that like, this is different. This has other moving pieces to it. It's teaching my hard workers what non-effort looks like, what being looks like how to when anxiety sees you've gone back into being mode then it will allow itself to come from fight or flight to rest and digest because if i'm like this it gets the message from you that there's still something to sort through so here's energy to keep going you have to stop first your anxiety works on a delay so when you stop <sighs> right? Your body will still be up. And then your body is a loud space to start the process of coming back down. We work, we tend to work it the opposite way. I'm hanging on because my body's up and I'll only let go when my body comes back down. Mm -hmm. And if you ha guys have seen the Dear Flow series, so why are we using some wellness, mindfulness stuff at there and how do we use it? Right? This ties in so beautifully to what Michelle just said. So take yoga, for example. What you're doing is you're putting your body into a stressful position that's painful. Let's say a deep stretch, whatever, forward fold. And that's really hard. And there's this urge to not do it. Okay, stop it. Your brain's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't know if you're going too far or too, too fast. Stop it. But you are relaxing into the pose and you are breathing as if you are calm and collected. Do you see the parallels with there? You go on an exposure. You are uncomfortable in a situation. You have these intrusive thoughts while you cook dinner, but you're acting as if this is totally fine. And that's the training. That's the retraining. This is why being uncomfortable physically, embodying it and breathing through it, not to breathe it away. We're not breathing the stretch reflex away. Right? It's not what's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. And our brain's like, oh, you are relaxed. Mm, oh, well, I'm going to wait a few more seconds. Oh, you're still relaxed. You're still not running. Okay, now I start to calm down. And this is exactly what happens in exposure, exposure therapy or exposure to thoughts, whatever as well. Same right. And exposure therapy is so that you can go out and have your like response system go up while you're inside your battle part goes soft. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's kind of like it's incongruent. It feels so wrong because as my stress response go up, my internal battle guy must go up too. I must hang on. And dare is, well, as this guy goes up to give you energy for danger, I go soft. That's the whole ghost spaghetti idea. Mm -hmm. Somebody wrote, so breathing through it rather than breathing it away. You don't, yeah. you don't anything away. You breathe. <laughs> with it through it while it just like i can cook dinner with it while it's here i don't have to cook dinner to see if it worked and if i'm distracted enough to not have those thoughts anymore that's the internal battle that we do it doesn't that's why i don't care what you do whether you're cooking people do very healthy things people do very unhealthy things to try and get rid of the stuff that we find back here. It's all about intention. Go cook dinner to cook dinner while I let this be. I leave my internal world doing whatever's going on in the internal world. I can look at it and notice it, but I can carry on with whatever else I'm doing, not to control this, just to keep going with it. And we do this for all other areas of life. We just tend to treat anxiety as the bad guy. Not trying to change it, guys. Not trying to change it. I'm sure you get this too, Michelle, a lot. Okay, I know I should accept. I kind of know what acceptance is, but how do I do it? And it's so hard. How do I accept? Maybe the better question to ask yourself would be, where is my effort in trying to make this go away? So yeah, how might what do my non-acceptance look like? Yes, <laughs> yes. So acceptance translates to, I choose to stop 
all efforts to try and change how I feel. Mm -hmm. And guys, do this with me. Just a second. Do this with me, guys. So say, I accept and allow these anxious sensations. And then say, I choose to stop all efforts to change this. It's like a deadline. It's like, oh, okay, I can't go further than this. And acceptance, sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, there's a little bit of room to maybe check in if acceptance worked, <laughs> if, if I feel better now because I accept it. Stop all effort to try and change it. That is key. Yeah, and after that first line of what she says, you don't say line three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the same thing because that's still effort. Oh, that thought, I, yeah, I accept that thought and I, I'm doing nothing else to involve myself with that thought or to change the presence of that thought, period. But if it's, I accept a lot of that thought, I accept a lot of that thought, I say, you say it once and then you act it the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. Then you show what acceptance looks like by leaving it the fuck mm -hmm. alone. Let it just be there. This is what I was going to say before. If, if you're, you're watching this live now, or if you're watching it record, uploaded again on YouTube, you'll be able to, to see us on here. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can view this part on YouTube. In Aida's background, there's a, a green plant behind her, okay? That plant has been on that screen the whole time. Now, anybody who's been watching this the whole time, you probably notice, you probably notice everything. You notice I'm wearing a sweater. You notice she's wearing short sleeves. You notice her hair is long. My hair is... A mess, and she has a sign, and I have an empty void behind me. You probably spend all of three seconds involved in that, and then you're probably more focused on our faces. So now that I've called your attention to the plant, I would like you to just be aware of your awareness of the plant. Like, notice as the rest of this call goes on, your attention might be drawn towards the plant and back towards Aida's face and then to my face and back to the plant. And it acceptance just means, oh yeah, there's a plant there. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just carry on with the conversation. The plant, you don't accept so that Aida finally moves that plant for the next call. So I can stop noticing the plant. Now I have to stare at the plant. Now I have to try and not look at the plant. This weird little world, this is what we get stuck in. Trying to not notice the plant or trying to not be bothered by the plant. Just leave it. Just notice the plant. <laughs> Carry yeah. on. I was not bothered by my rouge at all. Now I will be for the rest of my life. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, just joking, it's nothing. But you see, it's the same process. I wasn't even aware of it. I know she mentioned something once. I was like, oh, I didn't understand that. Not that relevant uh, at the moment. Maybe I misunderstood her. And now she brought it back up. I'm like, oh, this is what she means. Now, every time, and do I do this consciously? No, it's my brain doing that now. It has mm -hmm. flagged my, the way I say whoosh has flagged it as, mm, that's weird. We don't know what this means. Are you going to embarrass yourself? Is everybody going to laugh next time you say whoosh? That's what my brain does. But I let my brain do it. I'm still just going to say it. Yeah. But as We've got a lot of life, suggestions for our webinars of what to say, what not to say, the voice, the rate, the speed, say this word. Why are you saying this word? You saying... And my conscious response was, some of them was like, yes, I get that. And some of them was like, that's ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous. But it glued itself here. Do yep. you do this too? Beginning of every call? I am so aware. And now me trying to not say certain things makes me say them more, right? It's just, yeah. but no, this is not because we have anxiety disorders. This is just how brains work. Yeah. So what was, um, we can't speak German, keep saying the which. Oh, thank you, Gary. I will. <laughs> What was, oh, the word cool. So I used to say, okay, cool, next question. And then somebody said, they don't like that when we say cool. So now I'm trying not to say it. And every time it's it slipped, I'm like, oh no, I said it. And how did it sound? Did I offend somebody with that, right? It's, it's weird, but this is just what our brains do. So it's not about making our brains not do that. It's not about mm -hmm. not noticing intrusive thoughts. It's not about not noticing your palpitations. It's not about being reminded of anxiety and getting that initial Ugh, reaction. Ugh. Right, yeah, right. it's Ugh, of course. But what's next, right? What's the layer above that? So there is sensation evaluation. That is the part that has the power to make and break everything. 
And this is where the whole focus of DARE is change that, that upper, upper layer or metacognition. Okay. I was just looking ahead quick because you're answering a question that is further down. Um, oh. Something about how do I stop my reaction? I just want it, to, it's like you perfectly answered that question. Um, oh, now I can't find it. But it was something like, how do I stop that initial reaction of anxiety? And you don't. Reaction, response right? Your body reacts like, like a reflex. You can't decide if you get your reflexes checked at the doctor that I don't want my leg to do that. I don't want to be startled when somebody comes behind me. You're startled, right? But your response, what comes after you've been startled, you can then choose to punch the person in the face or to just say, oh, it's just Michelle. She just startled me. And if it's me, you still might want to punch me in the face. But like, know that I can't control automatic things that my body does. I was trying to do that probably what started most of this stuff. Like let your body do the uncomfortable reactionary things that it does. That's why it's called the dare response, not the dare elimination method or dare control method. How I dare respond management. to my body's reaction, not dare management. Yeah. That's my favorite word or my least favorite word. Um, said in, in, in a phrase with anxiety, anxiety management, panic management, feeling management. Anyway. Okay. That was two questions already, Michelle. We're good. Keep going. God. <laughs> Can you talk? Oh, was it this question you were referring to? Can you talk more about Metaland and what that is? Did you no. question? Okay. So can you talk more about Metaland and what that is? Lately, I have been having thoughts about what if I am in a situation where I'm worried I won't sleep and then I have an intrusive thought of what if I don't sleep? Can I have the same thought about two different things? It's definitely giving a whoosh and I'm not even sure it makes sense. Thank you. A lot of it seems like it doesn't make sense with anxiety. So don't worry about it at all. So meta land and what that is. So meta is what I, what I just described. So for example, I feel sad. And now how do I feel about feeling sad? Right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. meta land. So like the upper layer. And what this member describes, I don't see the connection with meta land, but let me read it again. I know you. I don't either. So that could be yeah. like a two part thing but i really think that um it's not a meta thing it's really just a what if thing what if i'm in a situation where i'm worried i won't sleep okay so i think i got it so this person is thinking what if i ever start to worry about not sleeping and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden i do get an intrusive thought about not being able to sleep and how that relates really doesn't matter in, in the end it's a thought about the yeah future. as i say try not to over Try not to overthink yeah. it. <laughs> this is simple. What if I get into a situation where I suddenly start to worry about me not sleeping? Well, okay. Yeah, could be. Period. Yeah, maybe I might not sleep. Because then we... Meta land is worry. when we... Maybe I, maybe I might worry someday that mm -hmm. I don't sleep. Yeah, could be. Yeah. We do a lot of that stuff. Like, we kind of predict where the... next. Like, we weren't anxious about something until we thought, well, what if I... Like, I was never anxious about sleep until I had a random thought of, well, what if you can't sleep one day? And now I wasn't, wasn't worried about it until I was worried that I was worried about it. Meta worry. Okay. Meta means in and of oneself, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, it's kind of like having thoughts and feelings about your thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. It's like on Seinfeld, Kramer had a coffee table book about coffee tables, right? So it's... I had a thought, we spent a lot of time up, kind of, I had a picture of me looking at my own head, it's here, can you guys see this picture? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go, perfect. Okay, really good. Yeah. before we get lost in Meadowland, this is us, kind of just having thoughts and feelings about flowers. When we get in a more heightened state, okay, lights are a little brighter, so you kind of notice more of the mechanisms of what's going on, so we tend to not even be aware of our thought process. And now when the lights are brighter, we tend to, we take in more information and now we're more aware. Now this is Meta Michelle having thoughts and feelings about her thoughts and feelings about this flower. Okway? And so now Meta Michelle's like, oh shit, where where'd that thought come from? 
And now I feel scared about that sad feeling because sad could turn into danger. And now I'm scared or now I'm having feelings about thoughts and thoughts. And we kind of get lost in just constant higher states of analysis and stare and trying to basically it keeps us stuck in our own head, trying to solve unsolvable problems. So whether it's our, a what if thought or intrusive thought or worrying, what's happening right now? I just have a thought of what if I don't sleep? The answer to that, I might not sleep, period. Like we're not trying to make it sound easy. We're just trying to simplify this process to all the same common denominators here. Yeah. And what a lot of people have written in the chat, and we get this all the time in, in our coachings. Uh, I have a, a client, and that's so funny, because I like to use other clients' stories. And honestly, obviously, say, hey, this person experienced the same thing. Look how they addressed it. Uh, mm -hmm. Make people feel connected and heard. And this person was like, no, don't tell me. I don't want to hear anything about I don't want to catch it. I don't want their I thing. Want, I don't want to hear about what they said. And, and you guys uh, right in the chat, if you experience that too, like, oh, I didn't worry about intrusive thoughts, but then I heard somebody in a call about intrusive thoughts or about the content. And all of a sudden I started to worry. And people then sometimes say, oh, it's like anxiety is trying to play guacamole. And as soon as I get over one thing, something else comes up. Not true. Not true. Right. Your life, your mind latches onto a what if, what if I get that? So what if a plant behind a plant standing behind you is dangerous. What if? I was just going to mention your plan again. Mm -hmm. Right? What if? What, now, all of a sudden, my attention will be like, oh, uh, maybe I need to watch out for the plant. Right? That's, I don't know. Isn't dangerous? So that's natural. But it's your label of this could be dangerous. Me starting to have DPTR could be dangerous. Me starting to have palpitation, that could be dangerous. Me starting to worry about driving, oh, that could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Always mm -hmm. that it's the what if this happens and I don't like this. My body sends me a whoosh and that comes the urge. Ooh, do something about it. Do something and giving into the urge. This is the problem because by giving into the urge, by Googling, reading, worrying, what you're doing is you're confirming your anxious mind suspicion. But yeah, there is something to worry about. You are showing me with your behavior. And this mm -hmm. is why people then start to notice these sensations as well not because anxiety is haunting them saying oh you got over your panic attacks let me throw some intrusive thoughts into the mix so you you will have anxiety for the rest of your life that's not what happens here yeah he just wants to know that is this okay is this thing that i'm showing you is this okay yeah is this okay here's some energy just in case it's not and you are the decision maker then. You show this guy, oh yeah, that plant is okay. Now, this is not some whole drawn out worksheet process where you're engaging in this whole, it happens very naturally. Like anybody who's here live in the chat, how's your experience been with the plant behind Aida? Like, have you noticed that you noticed it? Did you notice you became unaware of it, but you didn't notice until you tuned back in it to it again? Like, that's kind of how this works, because if you've identified that plan as the thing that must be gone because it will ruin my life, what if I never stop noticing the plan and it takes everything out of my life that I value and I ruin my relationship, and, right? If that story, here's the CBT stuff, my story about that plan, I keep sending this message of danger, he's going to keep sending me energy to stay locked on the danger. He is doing a great job. Mm -hmm. We just need to learn how to communicate with him. And he speaks a different language than we do. He yeah. sends you energy to get you to do things. And the way he gets your communication back is by what you do and what you leave be. Yeah. So one of the members in the chat said something that's really cool. There in a nutshell, my new tagline is, I'm activated Wonder Woman. Something to fight? Let's fight. Nothing? Well, then let's do work while being activated. Perfect. Perfect. That's the whole webinar. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It is. It's the whole webinar because it's where, because like somebody, a Heather, I think wrote before, like we all have to cut like therapists teaching you how to calm down. Why can't you be activated? Because yeah. if activated felt good, we would all be trying to be, it feels uncomfortable. It's heightened energy. Be activated. Are you, you, is it useful now? If it is, use it for something useful. If it's not, get better at being activated. 
and yes. leave it be like the plants in the room. It's just here. Whether you like it or not kind of doesn't matter. It's how you treat what's here. That's like the the important piece. Yeah. And what you just said there, Michelle, I think that's so important. Nowadays, we get this idea, and you know, through social media and books that being calm is always what we want. It's not true, right? sympathetic parasympathetic there is a reason why both are there both are equal there is no good or bad it's just appropriate to the situation obviously and a panic attack in a train or while driving home you're alone at home is a misfire and it feels dangerous because it's not appropriate to the situation but you would be very happy to be in this state when encountering a snake or a bear or whatever so try just to level that out in your head okay activation is not bad it's not and we don't want to be calm all the time. Imagine Michelle and I would be super calm right now and deeply relaxed. Imagine. My husband <laughs> would love that. <laughs> we would love that. But you wouldn't love that. Right, guys? You wouldn't love that because we would be like all chilled out and there would be no energy. So we are in a sympathetic nervous system state. That's a good thing. But we don't want to feel like this when we're laying in bed and want to sleep. That wouldn't be appropriate. Right? So think of sympathetic, parasympathetic, both good things, equally important just appropriate and in anxiety well sometimes it misfires and it's inappropriate mm -hmm. that is all there is to it it's not more than that yeah believe it or not there are people out there i had this conversation with somebody before the call who had like a panic attack and just left it alone and mm -hmm. carried on with their life and mm -hmm. we're like what the hell's wrong with those people <laughs> What do you mean you just left it alone? What? What's wrong with you? Because I got overly involved in mine and made sure to, to try and never have another one again. And that guy's like, oh, how'd that work out for you? I'm like, oh, I had panic attacks every day for years. What did you do to not have one? He's like, I didn't try and not have one. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's such a, it's so different. And like now we're trying to not try, it's double try. And it's, it's really, listen, like it comes from a place of well, like well-meaning. We're good doers. We're good problem solvers. So know that those like um, characteristics of us, they usually serve us well in other aspects of life. We're perseverers. People who have been through trauma, there's a good chance you're a good survivor. You're really good at hanging on and surviving and noticing fluctuations and adjusting behavior to stay safe. And it worked for you. So a lot of times... Like we're good at noticing like differences and fluctuations. That's great. It just when it's, it doesn't work when we were doing it against ourselves. So just keep that in mind with the whole thing of normalization. I also want to share a great story from our last Academy call. So you had a person who's agoraphobic and they said they want to drive through the car wash because they have panic attacks. So they went there, but they couldn't get in the car. So they left home. And I said, well, fantastic. You went there. Okay, that day you couldn't. No, but you went there with the intention to do that. Perfectly mm -hmm. fine. So mm -hmm. then on the next call, I was like, hey, how was your week? And they were like, yeah, it was good. So I went to the car wash and then I did this and that. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. Are we just not like not going to talk about this at all that you did that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. I was doing no problem. What? Right? Uh, well, how? And he was like, well, but I'm kind of sad because I didn't get the chance to practice. And I listen closely, such a good example. I was like, what do you mean? Well, I went to the car wash, but I didn't have sensations. I didn't have a panic attack, so it was no problem. That's okay. The week prior to that, you couldn't do that. So what changed? Well, I knew I will have one, so and I was ready. Uh-huh. So you were ready and willing to have a panic attack in that car wash that you left last week and what happened nothing happened and i'm not saying this don't take this the wrong way okay if i'm willing it's not going to happen but i just want you to see that what willingness does mm -hmm. if I'm mm -hmm. willing to have this my control urges are really low and the less i engage in that the less likely it is for my body to overreact like just listen to that part again like if this is on recorded again listen to that story again there's so many important things in there first of all like we tend to like focus on the shit that's still there and we go yada 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 to all the, the accomplishments like i can't get in the car it was impossible to get in the car i need to talk about this for 30 minutes fast forward two weeks 
So, you know, guys, so I got in the car, I'm driving around, I'm going to all these places, but now I'm kind of sad. And now I need to talk about sad for 30 minutes. And this doesn't get nearly enough attention. And we have such biased attention problems of where we hook. Now I need to keep focus on the shit that's still here that I don't like. And we'll still pass off like all these things that I've done and maybe sum it up in like three sentences. Let's try and reverse it. Imagine if you reversed that story and told me all the all the places I drove and then we went to the bakery. They made this fresh homemade bread and it smelled so good and the butter melted all the detailed and descriptions for that and boring story for the stuff that's still there. And on top of it, it's I had a similar story. Somebody had um um done something like that where they went out to try and have the panic attack and they called and were so upset because they failed again as usual because I'll never get there just like I never get anything. Said Vimi goes, I fucked this up. Same way I fucked up everything because now I'm trying to have a panic attack and I can't even have one. So I guess I'm failing it there too. <laughs> but mm. dead serious. Mm. Like, you, you see, you didn't have one truly because you tried. But mm -hmm. from that point on, if you go and you're like, well, that worked, let's try that again. You'll probably have a panic attack because now you're trying to do what you did the last time to not have the panic Enough attack. To have one. Exactly, exactly. Does that make sense, you guys? I, yeah. I never know if that stuff makes sense. Yeah, me too. But it makes sense to us, and we hope that it makes sense to you too. And you, if you if you're watching this, I'm so super proud of you. And that was just like absolutely fantastic what you did. Perfect. Sense. I want to mention too. We kind we skipped over. It was a much longer question, but it ties in. We kind of answering this question of like. Like somebody who was working really hard and going through some setbacks to try and make some recovery. And then um, like I, I kind of I kind of laid off a little bit of the meditating, took a break from the app, dropped some crutches. And I guess my real question is in recovery, is it okay to feel like a little lost? I've done so much to help myself and improve my life. I guess it's hard to believe it's going away this quickly. I almost feel like it's a false recovery, if that makes sense. And something's going to come back from it. And so anybody who's made progress, that's such a great sign of progress because it almost feels like bullshit. It feels too simple, too good to be true. Anybody experience that of like, wait, so I cease doing all these things and now I'm feeling better, which then scares me because, oh boy, I'm not doing things. I'm not braced in case it comes back. If it comes back, I won't be prepared. And then, okay, yeah, I've had that experience. It's really weird. This is me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. weird state getting used to feeling better. Mm -hmm. And you know what's also, it's irritating to be so focused on recovery. Okay, so my goal is recovery. And for recovery, now I need to meditate. I need to breathe the right way. I need to move. I need to do this. I need to journal. I need to compare. And I need to do all these things. And while I do all these things, I keep up the illusion that I'm heading the right way. And then there is completely different. You were like, oh, mm -hmm. drop that. Now it's not about doing, it's about being. And yeah, all yeah. of a sudden it's like, but where are the things that I need to do? It's kind of like I feel lost. But in yeah. we place, what there replaces your cues, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that, so you can be recovered. We replace it completely with focus on your values. Mm -hmm. Live your life. And as you live your life, anxiety will pop up. And yeah. when it does, you deal with it quickly. If you use a lot of run towards the road, right? And then you move on. It's like, okay, I noticed you. All right. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter. But now I move on. I'm not mm -hmm. on the road to recovery. I'm living my life. And as I'm living my life, I am recovering. And that's a big difference. And if you've been stuck in, well, let me do this, do this, do this. And my whole focus is on recovery. This can feel really unfamiliar and scary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like almost like negligent, like, well, I, I should be doing something. What if this comes back to get me? What if this, it, again, the goal is unimportant. And if I'm only doing this to work on this, this is still the lock of my focus, right? And so it's like, I don't know if I used this example on on um, a webinar before, but do you have monkey bars? You call them monkey bars? 
No. On like the, the playground, like oh, you yeah, know, yeah, the playground yeah. for kids, and mm-hmm. you go across the. What do you call? Do you call them monkey bars? No. <laughs> what do you call them? I don't even know. Guys, how do we call a twenty-seven them? syllable word? See, I don't, I don't exercise in those. So. <laughs> oh, I don't exercise. It's for kids. It's like a playground for kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're called. Sorry. So anyway, right? Like you guys know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about with um, the bars. And so, in order to keep moving forward, you let go of the last one and you kind of swing through mm-hmm. it, right? But if I am like here and I want to get there, and I'm like. Oh, in order to get there, I have to let go of here. So now I'm going to turn face this way and try really hard to let go. And I have to let go and let go and I let go and let go. What? No, I like letting go is something that happens because I'm holding on to here. So in order to hold on to here, I just automatically let go of there. And so that's, we want you to look this way. That's what Aida was describing are a lot of dars diffuse, allow, run towards, and then I stay there to see if it worked. Engage, E, means if I'm, diffuse, allow, run towards is to send the message of safety and unimportance of the present energy. And if it is, I would be looking at whatever I would be looking at if this energy wasn't here. So carry on with life. If you're doing there to see, but it's not working because I'm still disconnected. I tried so hard to accept and allow, but it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you're, you're going at it with an effortful mindset with an expectation of something being changed by accepting and allowing. That plant's going to stay here the whole damn call, whether you accept it or not. Whether you like it or not, whether you love it or not, you don't need to tell yourself positive affirmations about it. It's just the plant. Your continuing involvement in the plant is the disordered part, not the fact that you don't like it, not the fact that it's still there. Let's move on to um, another question. So strangely enough, the next... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I clicked out. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This question... Sounds totally different if somebody were to read this on a page. It is exactly like the red light question, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Okay. Do you guys remember the question? How can I get over my anxiety of being at a red light? Okay. The next question seems different on the surface level. How to deal with anticipatory anxiety, which is basically anxiety that shows up before an event right? I struggle a lot with this and I find it extremely difficult to deal with no matter what I try. So if you're listening to this on the podcast or the YouTube chat, think of those words. Anybody who hears live in the chat, what are the similarities here? Even though it's phrased like a whole different scenario. Well, anticipatory anxiety is different than red lights, Michelle. This is a different question. Is it? So anybody on the chat, is this different? What, what do you hear? And what do you, what do you hear in that sentence? Mm-hmm. Deal and try. How to, how deal, to deal. Nothing to do. Yeah. It's the nervous arousal. Do nothing. Don't deal. Don't try. Yes, Mara. Don't deal. Don't try. Remember when, when I when I said earlier, there, there's the anxiety cycle, right? Trigger and so that could be anything then it's my interpretation Ooh, i don't like that worst case scenario then is activation boosh then comes urge do something about it right and now the urge is what's supposed to make me control so i could avoid or i could other ways of control if you can't um avoid something like feeling disconnected well you can still control of course by introspection right and you can google talk blog about it all the time that's another form of giving into into this urge and anticipatory anxiety it's the same thing it's just about the future but it's the same cycle so what is the antidote to to this where do we break this cycle urges urges right it's step five urges not giving into the urge and what's really helpful in not giving into the urge is increasing your willingness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh my god what if you step on that plane and you have a panic attack Ooh, activation urge Cancel the flight, cancel the flight, take his annex. Uh, easy thing to do would be to say, yeah, that's probably going to happen. Yep. Anticipatory anxiety is preemptive energy. 
Oh, this is going to happen in the future. A super great class one alarm system is going to prep you just in case. Oh, you may embarrass yourself at the party. Here's some energy to fight embarrassment because you tend to fight embarrassment. Oh, you might get bad news from the doctor. True, you might. You, you could. You don't have to convince yourself that you won't. You mm -hmm. still could. So here's some energy to prep yourself for it. It's still not best used now. Mm -hmm. So have that energy. Expect that arousal, preemptive nervous arousal. Oh, that's just my body prepping me for danger. That's just what my alarm system does. What happens is anticipatory people. So I'll have people who call me and the thing is, let's say it's the event, um, struggling to eat with people in public or go to the movie theater or whatever. And I'm feeling so much anxiety ahead of time because I treat that event as so dangerous. And then people get better at the event right? I go, I'll just go. So I don't eat, whatever. Who cares? I don't have to eat. I don't have to put on a show. So I can go to the movie theater. I can walk out. I can be anxious at the movie theater. And then what happens is the event ends up being fine, but now anticipatory anxiety is what gets their focus and attention. Now they're not so much concerned about the event. They're concerned about the anticipatory anxiety that arrives before the event. Who, who's experienced this before where it used to be the main show and now, okay, here's somebody. And now it's somebody who's fighting like the opening act of the main show. And they're like, oh my God, now it's the opening act. And so now I'm fighting my anticipatory anxiety. Same thing. It's the same thing where whatever anxiety shows up, it was never meant for you to fight it. It was meant to help you fight through danger. Yes. And remember, oh, this seems to hit a few people. This um, absolutely preemptive, yeah. Anticipatory anxiety kicks in, urge to do something goes up, willingness is low, and you reverse that process. Right? Let's stick with what if I have a panic attack in the car? Well, God, my God, what if you have a panic attack in the car? Do something, do something, yeah. Instead of giving into that urge and alleviating, oh, what happened? Oh, somebody threw me off the call. No, no, you're here. Hello? Aida, you're here. Ah, you're back. Sorry. You're here. You didn't go out. anywhere. No, you were here the whole time. Oh, I didn't see any of you anymore. Sorry about that. Well, it looks okay. like somebody's trying to sign me out too, but I'm here and you're here. Oh, okay. I forgot what I said. <laughs> right? Okay, here. Anticipatory anxiety. Urge <laughs> really hard. Sorry, somebody <laughs> just said I blame the suspicious looking plant. <laughs> yes, Laura. Oh my God. <laughs> And as soon as you increase your willingness by saying, yeah, that's probably going to happen. Oh, what if you embarrass yourself? Yeah, could be. We'll see. Oh, you might have a panic attack. And what if you get up and open the airplane doors and jump out? Well, well, that would be funny. Period. Right? Mm -hmm. You see how brief this is? And by saying, yeah, could be. Yeah, might happen. All right. Who knows? Let's see. What I'm doing is I'm shortcutting that, that cycle, right? I'm not giving into the urge. If I'm willing, I'm not giving into the urge. And in some things, like Michelle said, I might get bad news from the doctor. That could truly happen. But and that same approach, but often in anxiety, it's it's absurd, right? You will not get off and open the airplane doors and jump out. That that's absurd, but it feels really true. The mm -hmm, same mm -hmm. approach here. No matter if it's a real thing, because this question comes up a lot too, Michelle, right? What if it's about real? stuff what if i have a real illness what if my intrusive thoughts are about real life events the same absolute same approach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same thing if you're really sick too like you i have an illness this energy is for you to right now do something so even if you have a, a health diagnosis there's still only so much you can actively do now First of all, expect that whoosh. Here comes your protector. You just got shitty news. You just heard something that might affect your physical life. That, like, here comes fear. I might die. I might become physically incapacitated. How could he not show up? 
How could he not show up? That's not an anxiety disorder. That's anxiety showing up as he should. Like when people are like are confused of like, oh, I, my close family relative died and now I can't stop crying. What's wrong with me is this depression. Mm-hmm. This is a normal human reaction to a situation, but we treat all of the unpleasant as disordered. It's it's not. There's still unpleasant feelings. We don't have to make them feel better and we don't have to get rid of them. We just get better at having them be here with us. And I would like to respond to something uh, a member wrote in the chat. Heather said, sometimes I get just exhausted from tolerating the discomfort and a few people saying, yes, me too. You see, and this is where you could start using the well-being things to help yourself feel shitty. Does it make sense, you guys? So I'm working through anxiety, exposure, whatever, and that's tough. It's hard and it can be exhausting. So how do I treat myself while I do these hard things? Mm-hmm. Now I can choose to meditate to say I'm going to help my body. Now I can choose to do some self-care. Now I can choose to do some yoga. But you see how the intention is very different now. I'm using these things to help myself, to care for myself while I practice feeling shitty doesn't make sense guys tolerating something and growing your tolerance for something are two totally different approaches if you're tolerating whatever the waves hitting you on the side of the beach and you're staying braced and you're like it's fine i accept and allow these waves and they're pummeling you and pummeling you this is how you tolerate work get through survive something to grow your tolerance for something means to like have it be there willingly. It's not to brace yourself for it. It's not to kind of push up against it. You grow your tolerance for something with allowing the thing to be there, not by surviving through when it's there. You will never grow your tolerance for it by surviving through something because you'll never get the message that this is okay to have it. The message is this is always danger if I'm in survival mode while this thing is here. So you will never grow tolerance if you treat it as danger. Yes. Great, you guys, thank you so much. An hour already over. A few things um, that are important that we talked about in, in this webinar, right? Um, maybe you can think of some too, Michelle. Uh, I remember doing, trying to, how can I get rid of, how can I manage, mm-hmm. how can deal. I can deal. deal. Thank you. Mm-hmm. As soon as you notice you're asking yourself that question, the response is always, do not okay do not try number two translate acceptance to stopping the effort number three the distinction between wellness meditation doing all these great techniques to get rid of the anxiety or to help myself feel better while i'm learning to do tough shit sorry hard things i mean (laughs) cool yeah what, what stood out for you michelle something you you want to take with yeah and maybe something slightly different but like because we were gonna originally have this webinar be based on like we wanted people to send in um like all i've done with anxiety because we kind of always remember but look this is still the problem but look i still still can't go here i'm like uh, were you not the same person who didn't leave your house like six months ago and we're doing all these things and spend all of your time and all of your energy and maybe it's some time and some energy I still get pulled back in so like even after this call if you think back over the year especially if you've been with us for a while if you're new you might not see much change but like oh right I forgot I wasn't even going to the stores before and we're so focused on what all the work that still needs to be done we forget about how far we came and how 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 much less anxiety is running the show And how much more we, not the fact that it still does sometimes, I don't care. doesn't matter. The idea that you don't care either. Yeah, sometimes I make decisions because of my anxiety, but I'm more often I'm making decisions because of what I want to do, because of my values. And sometimes I still take a Xanax and I take it willingly now. 
I don't beat myself up for it now. And I choose to take it and I take it on my terms. And sometimes I still leave a social situation, but I'm going to social situations now. And please make sure you shine as much light on the accomplishments as you do on still what's left, because it's about focusing on like what you want to see more of, not what you're trying to see less of. And so definitely like celebrate all of that stuff. We kind of forget the whole celebration process of like how, how good I've gotten at feeling anxious, how less important I treat it now. Yeah. So here's some homework for you. Next time you plan to do something and you bail, you're like, okay, I just can't. It's too much. Celebrate that you tried. Okay. Give yourself a pat on the back for going to the car wash and deciding, oh, I can't do that today. Right? Celebrate yourself for planning to stay alone at home when the last minute that, oh, I just can't today. Celebrate yourself for trying to. And guess what? You don't get just one chance or two or three or 10. You get 100 or 200. Yep, yep. that's not a fail. It just didn't happen that time. So yeah. fail is the end. It, okay. Oh, this is, this one was hard. So this is the one that I'm going to consciously be aware that I'm going to get a whoosh at this car wash probably. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't do the thing, forget, I can't. Now, I choose not to go because I choose not to feel this heightened state of anxiety here at the car wash. Even just saying the words I choose puts ownership on your ability to make your decisions rather than anxiety is making these decisions for me. I'm a victim to this feeling. I can't because I can't do I can't. I choose not to, and that's fine too. So I choose not to go. At least you'll start seeing that fork in the road where I can choose to go or I can choose not to go, and both are okay. Yeah, both are okay. Today I choose not to. I might do it tomorrow. I don't know yet. Let's see. I'm gonna see how I feel tomorrow. I'm gonna go, and then, not beautifully said, Michelle. I choose by taking ownership of that. And when I make that choice, if I chose not to go and I didn't go, my involvement with that choice ends when the choice ends. Mm -hmm. Not, I should have gone. What's wrong with me? The ruminating. Nope. Done. Oh, did you go to the car? No, I didn't. Period. Mm -hmm. Now what? Not staying latched into the rumination of it. If if a situation is already done, if the thought has already passed, your involvement does not need to continue with something that's already gone. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. I didn't go. Yep. Period. Yep. Back to here. Next, Anthony. Next. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Aida. Thank you for listening to the D.A.R.E. podcast. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.